Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. You know that the IDF is uh, the most moral army in the world. We are trying to do whatever we can in order to prevent hurt civilian. But you need to understand that we are not fighting a, like a regular state. We are fighting monsters. And like every place I go, I go run away and I just find bombs and I find dead people. And like maybe one day I'll end up like them, but it's a really scary thing for me. <laughs> Welcome to Free State, everyone. Joe is here. We are recording in Dublin. Um, and Joe, you're looking uh, disheveled. Well, I was going to actually say looking quite sharp, but you know, really, uh, we sometimes you know, yeah, we see ourselves differently than others do. The uh, in Stardust today, the RTE TV reporter Connor Hunt, who's been there every day and has uh, reported it all with this sort of customary integrity. He had forgotten his tie, so he had to come at lunchtime and borrow my tie. Right. It's a very special tie, you know. You've never seen me wearing this, or early do. But whenever I gave the kidney in London, after about two days, and it was a very long surgery and didn't go as planned, they said, oh, you know, you can walk about a bit in the ward. I decided to go out for a walk in London, and I bought this tie. <laughs> <laughs> What a thing to buy. I had, had it in the wee bag and then the blood started seeping out through my stomach. I was going over um, oh, the, 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 the famous bridge in London where opposite the Houses of Parliament because that's where St. Thomas's and Guy's yeah, Hospital yeah. is. London Bridge. Yeah. And I had to sit down in the corner with the wee bag beside me. I, had to, I couldn't get up. And why did you want to buy a tie? And I got a, I don't know, but I got a, <laughs> I got a, I got a, it's a bit like the great Gatsby of all these beautiful shirts. I got a phone call in, out of the blue on my mobile from one of my very close friends, Gareth Bradley. And he said, I would love that. I says, oh, I'm sitting in London Bridge and I can't get up. Wow. So he 
came over because he was coming to see me anyway. Helped me up. And uh, brought me back to the hospital. So that's the story of this tie. And it, uh, it appeared on RTE News then. <laughs> that's right. Um, I didn't know what he was going to ask me. You know, he was all like, this is a really bizarre request. I've had plenty of those before. <laughs> um, but everyone is struggling to think about anything other than this um, genocide that's occurred before eyes. And you know, I, I say that as a matter of law and as a matter of fact. I mean, I was um, sitting myself and my wife at breakfast this morning. Mm. Uh, because we're not going to see each other for a while. And uh, in the middle of it, she just started weeping. And uh, I think it was very surprising to me in a way, but the pictures that we're seeing and the, you know, the mercilessness of it, you know, unfolding in front of our eyes is uh, very, very shocking. And um, I think what's moved on since we talked about this last week is, you know, the the, the increasing savagery, the mounting, the mounting death toll, you know, this, uh, and this idea, you know, that Israel can simply propagandize their way to righteousness. Know that. Um, I mean, and, and I think one of the most striking aspects of all of this is the propaganda war that uh, is being waged by the Israeli government and people associated with it. And I pause to say that I make a clear distinction between the Israeli government and their agents in the military and the people of Israel, because I mean, leaders' job is to lead, and people are undoubtedly extremely angry but you know when I hear them all of them talking about animals and subhuman and terrorists and human shields and we are not dealing with normal people you know I think of Britain's sort of 800 years here the same dehumanizing the same cartoons that made us out to be savages gnarled and grotesque you know I mean Cromwell, during his attempt at mass extermination of the Irish, beheading was the norm. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen St. Oliver Plunkett's head still on display in a ga- glass case in Drogheda. Went on a school tour there when I was about 10. They, they wouldn't allow you to do that these days. They wouldn't send 10-year-olds in to see you. Seeing a grisly leather head? No. Look like an old leather football. Yeah. Like Seamus Heaney's Tolland man. You know, and... You, you, go, you go through the checklist of what colonial powers do, settling people uh, in Ireland, you know, so bringing in the Scottish, sort of the Ulster Scots as they, they became known, not their fault, but bringing them in to settle, just as the Israelis have been doing, you know, throughout the areas that are supposed to be Palestinian. Settlements, tick, you know, reduce them to a peasantry, tick, ban education, ban religion, you know, um, subject them to squalor, take away their property, you know, forced evictions, and essentially reduce them to 
a people on the verge of starvation, constantly oppressed, and then the famine comes along, wipes out a million Irish people, and part of the plan, at least a million others emigrate on the ghost ships, never come back. And yet, I was talking to John Finucane about this last week when he was going on question time. Here we are, modern civilised society. Here we are. Well, this is uh, this is the point you you made in our last episode, and um, like I think it's uh, you know it is it is an ex- extraordinary thing to watch, but also people will believe what they want to believe, and I find this kind of extraordinary as somebody who and and my 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 wife was talking to me about this today, and again you know, that sort of basic humanity where you kind of say, why are people, why why are people blinded to the humanity of it by kind of feeling they need to take sides? It's it's very clear now. I mean, the Israeli Holocaust scholar and expert in genocide, Professor Segal, Raz Segal, um, he speaking on uh, the Jewish Currents program this week, and he's a very uh, devout um member of the, 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 the worldwide Jewish community. He said, look, Israel's war on Gaza te- is a textbook case of genocide. The dropping of thousands of bombs in one of the most densely populated areas of the world with the declarations of intent alongside it constitute genocide. We're seeing the combination of genocidal acts with special intent. This is indeed a, a, a textbook case of genocide. Human beings must be protected against ourselves. That's why we have laws. That's why you can't go and murder someone who does some harm to you or to your family. That's why we have international laws. And, you know, the propaganda is extremely important in this context. And it is it is so powerful. And they use the Holocaust shamelessly. I mean, obviously, it doesn't need saying that it was the greatest attempt at mass murder well, it was the greatest mass murder in the history of, of, of humanity, as so far as I'm aware. But it's used shamelessly to say, how dare you? How dare you criticize us? You know what happened to us. You know, what are you, some sort of anti-Semite? And the, the, uh, the position is that everyone is an anti-Semite now, unless you give Israel the green light to do whatever it wants to do. If you say, we stand with Israel, then you're fine. If you say, well, no, look, we're going to look at this objectively. You're a fucking anti-Semite. The BBC, they're now standing accused of anti-Semitism. There are protests outside the BBC. It's a vile protest. It's backed by powerful Tory politicians, including that guy Grant Chaps. Or is it Michael Green or Corrine Stockheath or Sebastian Fox, one of the aliases? that he used for many, many years in his dodgy internet schemes. You know, I mean, he said that uh, that um, the BBC had lost its moral compass. I mean, fuck me, Grant Champs. And the BBC is under huge pressure to call Hamas terrorists, and that's an important part in the propaganda war. They're not the political structure in in Gaza, you know, they're not whatever makeshift soldiers that 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 Gaza has 
you know, this peasantry with AK-47s and rockets, primitive rockets, you know, they're fucking terrorists and call them terrorists, you know. I mean, the FA, football, they're anti-Semites now. Protests against them for refusing to light up Wembley in the Jewish colours. You better get on the fucking team or you're an anti-Semite. And it, and it is, as many leading Jewish commentators have pointed out around the world, not Zionists. It is a disgrace and it is a primitive attempt to hijack the narrative and I think to leave people in a situation where we better not talk about this. I mean Well everybody is talking everybody is talking about it. Yeah, so but I don't not know. critically of Israel. They're they're over eggshells. People will say Hamas, they're fucking murderous savages. What they're what they did was a fucking disgrace, and all of those things are correct. Okay. I don't like calling anybody a savage. It doesn't matter who it is. But that is correct. I mean, it was a terrible atrocity. And people don't put a tooth in it. Rishi Sunak's out there embracing uh, Jewish people who've lost loved ones in, in that uh, annihilation. Uh, and quite rightly, as was Joe Biden. Where the fuck was Joe Biden going into Palestine to fucking hospitals to embrace mothers and children and to go in there and say, look, I don't fucking stand with Israel and I don't stand with Palestine. I stand with human beings. I stand with humanity and what is right. And if he had gone in there, if he did go in to Gaza with all the power and might of the American empire and say, look, these are human beings too. And let's see him cradling tenderly the victims of Israel there. Then we could begin to believe that this is honest. We're at the stage where you're not even allowed to suggest a peaceful solution. I mean, the, the, the Doyle, last week, unanimously agreed a resolution that, the, that, that there must be peace, there must be humanitarian aid. They advocate for a two-state solution and peaceful talks, you know, and that it's incumbent on world leaders to move towards that. Okay. Now, the backlash has started in Israel. The Jerusalem Post. Ireland must address the Nazi skeleton in its closet. In light of Irish Foreign Minister Michal Martin coming to Israel last month, is Ireland now ready to acknowledge its nasty Nazi sympathiser past? You know, a, well, lead, that, that a, a, leading, a leading Jewish member of the Knesset, Michael Martin has very few qualms about coming out here and using catchphrases when commenting on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, such as pathways to sustainable peace, the viability of a two-state solution, a just and lasting peace. Well, that in recent years, uh, Ireland has done much soul-searching about historic wrongs committed by, and here's the attack, a decade ago, the state famously issued an apology over the Magdalene Laundries, systematic, brutal treatment of unmarried mothers. However, there has been no comparable official expression of Irish remorse for the honouring of the Jews' mass murderer. Until that happens in Israel, Dublin's talk of peace and justice will continue to ring hollow. I want to just go back to something we talked touched upon uh, in the last episode because a couple of people were, were on Twitter were saying they wanted to, there was a point that I made about Miho Martin trying to visit an area C, yeah. and this was and I wanted and I hope I get the pronunciation right. Ain Samia. 
school uh, area in uh, area C. How do you spell that? E-I-N-S-A-M-I-Y-A. And Peter Oborn had the story in Middle East Eye. And it is an area which has been taken over by settlers where uh, in August, a school funded by the EU and located northeast of Ramallah was demolished by Israeli authorities. Uh, the, ser- the school serving 50 students from grades one through through to nine for the few remaining Palestinian families f- remaining following the displacement of most of the herding community due to relentless Israeli settler violence attacks, demolitions and creeping confiscation of grazing land for their sheep and goat, goat herds. The school was in Area C of the West Bank and had not been granted a building permit by Isra- Israeli authorities. On Friday, 18th of August, the EU said it was appalled by the demolition. It demanded that Israeli authorities respect Palestinian children's right to education and called for Israel to compensate the EU for funding lost due to the demolition. <laughs> That's a full laugh. Um, you know, I mean, anyway, so that was the story I mentioned. In turn, and that, now, that was happening in the context of the response, the Jerusalem, that stuff it's probably more uh, an explanation for an attack in the Jerusalem Post because Micheál Martin was attempting to visit those villages and wasn't allowed to by the Israelis. Yeah. So that was the stuff that that they were responding exactly. to there. Yeah, um, I'm conscious of that. Uh, and I think, and I, I am conscious uh, a little bit, I accept your point that I, I the, the anti-Semitism thing I think is a really uh, difficult area because... You lay out, you know, the Irish, Ireland's history and, and the famine and things that we all, that we have these memories that are handed down. And for the Jewish people, this idea of being abandoned, having nowhere to go, is, is, is core. And, like, and, and the Holocaust not being a kind of aberration on, on, on this, on, 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 in their history, but the, the 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 final solution, I think there is, and I accept that it can be it can be hijacked by by rogues and chancers and grifters. There is no doubt about that. But there's also a thing that always troubles me about attacks are not a, about the whole anti-Semitism issue is that it's one of those prejudices that people are quite quite comfortable dismissing dismissing the, the victims of the prejudice in this context. It's really a very simple matter of observing the law. It is not a green light to massacre an innocent civilian population and to destroy their homeland. No, it isn't. It is, and and the point about and the and the point about Israel and the and the Jewish history, I think, is that um, there, you know, when when an oppressed people, when uh, when when a, a people who feel that they are oppressed. A, a, you know, acquire the powers to be an oppressor. It is. It is. A, it is a, a volatile. Well, let's a see. Volatile let's see. Let's see how the world will react. Right. Whenever, whenever Sinn Fein becomes the leading party in the north, takes over as first minister, and we decide to go fucking military on the Protestant asses. Yeah. Right. And oppress them and put them in detention camps and shoot them and herd them into. So wait, 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 and herd them into the northeast of the province. Let's see how they react. My point is this. If I was a Jewish person, I would be enraged now. And it's a righteous rage to massacre 1,300 innocent human beings. Right? I don't even like the word innocent. 1,300 human beings to massacre them. And the, 
the huge trauma that that causes to a community, all right? And in light of everything they've suffered, you better fucking believe it. You know, I am not, I am not certain, peacenik and all that I am, you know, and having lived through all the troubles as I am and having condemned the IRA and have been imposed to the campaign of violence, I am not certain that I would be that way in relation to this. But that's where the law comes in that we all must abide by. I mean, the haters, and there's a massive problem here, and it's, it's spoken about and written about, documented by leading Jewish commentators, thinkers, philosophers in and outside Israel, that there are haters in the Israeli government now that have created a very, very vile, disgusting government that, that has no concern for human life, and that are that 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 is in a way mirroring what happened to the Jewish people. I mean, they're running through the pl- propaganda playbook now. You dehumanize animals, monsters, beheading babies, human shields, and the ultimate irony: they're now calling the, the Palestinians Nazis. This is a powerful. Let's call it what it is: a powerful military, armed by America, backed by America, bombing a defenseless, poverty-stricken, stricken peasantry. You know what Jonathan Conricus, the um, IDF spokesman, said this week? He said, we are taking extensive efforts to avoid harming civilians on Sky News. And the presenter could barely conceal her rage. This is a world where truth has no meaning. You know, we warn, the Israelis warn uh, Palestinians to evacuate the hospitals. They, They tell them they're going to attack them. Then they attack them. Then they say it was us. We have successfully destroyed a Hamas terror base embedded in the hospital. Then they say it wasn't us. It was those Palestinian savages who behead their children. We would never attack a hospital. And I was struck this week by a letter from 2014 when the Israelis following the abduction and murder of three teenage Israelis by Palestinian militants mounted what they called Operation Protective Ridge, and they went in and they caused an absolute massacre. They killed 3,000 people, you know, left uh, 1,000 children disabled, killed 600 kids, all the rest of it. Adam Johannes of the Stop the War Coalition at that point in time wrote a letter to all the uh, newspapers, uh, the Times, all the rest of it. And he set out how the Israelis operate. One, We were unaware of this, but we were investigating. Two, yes, Palestinians were killed, but it was a faulty Palestinian rocket slash bomb. Three, in fact, we did kill them, but they were terrorists using a civilian building as a base. Any of this sound familiar? Four, okay, they were civilians, but they were being used as human shields by Hamas. Five, okay, there were no fighters in the area. This was a regrettable accident, whereas Hamas kills civilians on purpose. Okay, we kill 10 times more civilians than the Palestinians do. But what hypocrites you other Western countries are after your colonial pasts? Seven, why are you still talking about Israel? Are you an anti-Semite? Well, if anyone, there was an interview with a Israeli colonel, I think he was, on, on the BBC with Michelle Hussein, where uh, after the hospital attack, where... She, she again. She, she made this point. He was getting. He was saying, "You, know, why do you, 
why don't you take what I'm saying on trust? Why don't you, why don't you take what, what Hamas says on trust, which I, I don't think the BBC do. I think I would say there are certain people who do when you, you know, Hamas, like the Ministry for Health in Gaza, this is a Hamas-controlled organization or department. There are things that we should be skeptical about there. But in this interview, Hussein said to the Israeli uh, com- commander, uh, the reason I am asking you if you are willing to submit to an in- independent inquiry is because there have been a number of times that the initial Israeli version of events turned out not to be true. And many, that, many. And, that, and, that's, and that's putting it, that is, I mean, that is somebody putting something in, within the terms of the BBC, <laughs> in the BBC guidelines, yeah. being as polite <laughs> and moderate that's right. uh, and, and yeah, controlled yeah, as possible. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, Joe, yeah. I want to go back to a point you make about genocide because there was a letter in the Financial Times last week from a number of, which begins... Oh, prominent legal academics. We, we write as yeah. Jews, it opens up. Yeah. We also write in our capacities as, as lawyers. We do so because, instilled with our Jewish values, we believe that law and the adherence, adherence to the rule of law provides an invaluable guide to begin to make sense of what we are witnessing and to provide a path to, to govern responses to it. Just as international law provides the means for categorizing and criminalizing the barbaric acts of Hamas, so too does it provide a framework for governing how Israel must respond. Any nation conducting any armed conflict, no matter what the provocation, is bound in law to comply with all the laws of war. If it was Rwanda doing it, if this was the Rwandan government doing this deal, in five or ten years' time, they'd be lined up in the International Criminal Court, being prosecuted for war crimes and getting hundreds and hundreds of years in prison. The laws of war are not pacifists. Rather, they are the opposite. They are the mission that there are occasions when war is necessary. In these early days when emotions are so understandably raw, many might, might be reluctant to remind Israel of its international law obligations, considering to do so insensitive or inappropriate. However, we disagree. In these times of pain and terror, the notion that there are laws we must all live by is challenging but essential. Jewish history teaches us that we cannot give up it's on that. It's basic them. stuff. Go you out in the street. Go you out in the street and attack somebody. For, for some, for so, sorry. Go you out in the street and attack somebody for some... It doesn't matter how bad the thing is that you believe has been committed in relation to you. Your feet will not touch the ground before you're in prison. I mean, the Jews now have got to the stage, the Israeli government has got to the stage now where they simply lie with impunity. Watching their spokespeople, you might as well be watching Goebbels or Heinrich Himmler. Mark Regeff who's the, the Australian-born guy with the South African accent, a very sinister guy. We do not attack hospitals. We do not attack civilian infrastructure. Question. But we are watching Israeli missiles destroy whole residential areas. This is in, these are the pictures being shown in the background. No, you're not. Why do you believe this Hamas propaganda? Reminds me a bit of, you know, the famous sketch in Monty Python, where you go in for an argument and you pay, you'd, pay a pound, <laughs> you'd pay a pound to argue for five minutes. So you go in and you'd say... Oh, look, I've paid my pound. No, you haven't. Yeah. I just paid it. I'd say, no, you didn't. I did. I paid my pound. No, you didn't. I'm afraid I can't uh, talk to you any longer because you haven't paid your money. I did pay my money. So eventually, onto the person questions, you know, I mean, they, they get so frustrated that they question whether they're actually sitting there in the first place. Is this the right one for an argument? I've told you once. <laughs> no, you haven't. Yes, I have. When? Just now. 
No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Didn't. I did. <laughs> didn't. I'm telling you, I did. You did not. Oh, I'm sorry, is this a five-minute argument or the full half hour? <coughs> oh, oh, just the five-minute one. Fine. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, I did. You most certainly did not. Now, let's get one thing quite clear. I most definitely told you. You did not. Yes, I did. You did not. Yes, I did. Didn't. Yes, I did. Didn't. Yes, I did. No, this isn't an argument. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. It's just contradiction. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It is not. It is. You just contradicted me. No, I didn't. Oh, you did. No, 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 no. You did just no, then. No, no, nonsense. Oh, look, this is futile. And Regev uh, was on Sky with Anna Botting, and Anna Botting was enraged at the way he was approaching this, this contemptuous way, because she is on the ground out there and was seeing it for herself. And here was the exchange. You are destroying Gaza. I do not accept that. Why are you pushing Hamas propaganda? And, and, and you can see the presenters. Like, what the fuck? You know, Tsippi Hotovli, she's a real charmer, the Israeli ambassador to the UK. A truly nasty piece of work, and I don't like to say that about a human being. On Kay Burley, what's the view on the humanitarian crisis in Gaza? There is no humanitarian crisis. Kay Burley's like, even Kay Burley's taken She says, there isn't. No, there isn't. Kay says, we've been showing pictures this morning which illustrate the humanitarian crisis in Gaza. Tippy says to her, can I ask you something? Sort of disarm, yes. Are you a mother? Yes. Those Nazis committing those crimes, we should protect the enemy. They're killing our children. Kay Burley says, we've been showing images this morning which clearly show the humanitarian crisis in Gaza. She says, blame Hamas. So you acknowledge there is a humanitarian crisis. I'm saying there is no humanitarian crisis. What's the view on the humanitarian crisis in Gaza this morning? Uh, there is no humanitarian crisis because... There isn't? It, there is no. We've been showing pictures this morning that would illustrate that there is a humanitarian crisis in Gaza. Can I ask you something? Yeah. Are you a mother? Yes. What would you think if your children would have been executed in front of your eyes? Would you expect your government to think about those Nazis committing those crimes and to say, wait a second, first of all, we need to protect the enemy. We have been showing images this morning that uh, illustrate that there is a humanitarian crisis in Gaza. So blame Hamas and ask Hamas why they started those atrocities, walking so around... So you acknowledge that there is a humanitarian crisis? I'm saying there is no. No, and it's sort of... It's like... A, it's jaw-dropping. Mm. You watch it and it's jaw-dropping. And it enrages you, and it's it, it 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 it. But this is, this is what characterizes Dion, despotic regimes. Um, they do not twist the truth. Right? They just completely turn it on its head, and they paint a picture that's completely the opposite of reality. So a bit like Monty Python, you say to me. You're starving the people of Gaza. We're not starving the people of Gaza. You're cutting them off electricity. We're not cutting them off electricity. And what happens eventually when a population's been brainwashed for as long as the Israeli population has been in what is now, I suppose, the, the, what's described the state of Israel, the people of Israel only want to hear those lies. You know, they don't want to hear the truth. You know, because it's a bit like the German people during World War II, they did not want to hear the truth about concentration camps, anything like that. Anybody who spoke out of line like that or started to talk about that was taken away and shot. 
because the truth would force them to examine this. It's you know, their racism, their self-delusion, and their complicity in this oppression, this murder, and this unfolding massacre that we see in... in much easier to believe that they're rats, they're subhumans, they're animals, and then, then they don't have any humanity. And whether, whether you kill 10 or 100 or 1,000 or 10,000 or 100,000, it doesn't make any difference because they're vermin. And... The other aspect, it seems to me, and a fellow Chris Hedges writes very, very well about this, these big lies, they're sending a very scary, ominous message to the Palestinians that Israel will wage a campaign of terror and genocide, will never take responsibility for its crimes. You know, no one's ever going to be charged. No army officer is ever going to be charged. No soldier on the ground is ever going to be charged. Very like the north of Ireland. Because the big lie, Dion, it obliterates the truth. To come back to the strike on the convoy of people as they were leaving northern Gaza. Earlier this morning on our sister programme, an IDF spokesperson said it was fake news. What do you say? Yes, yes, that is our information. Uh, that this was staged by Hamas to discourage people from leaving. Israel does not target does not target, I repeat, uh, non-combatants, innocent civilians. Well, Our well, enemy that, that, is that, that, the Hamas. I mean, that, that, that can't be true because so many innocent civilians in Gaza have already died. I, I disagree. I disagree. And what you need to do when you're doing what the Israelis are doing is you need to obliterate the truth. How dare you ask me about Palestinian civilians? Those people are savages that have put a savage regime in place. If you want to blame anyone, blame those animals. And what it does is it obliterates people's comprehension. It turns it into a Yabu game where, do you stand with Israel? Do you stand with Israel? If you don't fucking stand with Israel, you're a fucking anti-Semite. You know, and may you burn in hell with the rest of the anti-Semites. And what it does for everybody else is it obliterates hope. It leaves Palestinian people without hope. And, and the net effect of that, as the prominent Jewish writers Daniel Levy and Gideon Levy have said, hey, it's 1,300 this time. You know, in the past, we're lucky. It's only been 10 or 5 or 20 or 60, you know. But it's going to come around again because you cannot oppress the people the way we've been doing and expect that they're just going to simply allow themselves to be oppressed. Well, I think the, the savagery then, and I think the, 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 the terrible cycle is because when Hamas do what, what they do, they know that they'll get this response. And we've talked about this as well. How see, they know, I, 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 see you know, again, I think you're looking at this in the wrong way. Well, just, I, as, just as Daniel Levy got extremely angry with the BBC correspondent when she asked him this question, you know, he said, what do you expect? We were called all of this in the North, fucking savages. Conor Cruz O'Brien and these people in the Southern regime, they shut down the voices of Northern nationalism, Northern republicanism. Even John Hume was demonized. They shut us down because it was easier to go along with the big lie, you know. And the Brits, propaganda masters, they taught the Israelis everything they know, you know, and now they're supporting them to help. We stand with Israel. What does that actually mean? We stand with genocide. We stand with this oppression. How does it help anyone? I mean, the effect of this dehumanizing propaganda is very, very clear. Stuart Ramsey reported on Sky News, which I have to say is exemplary for its independence. In the, in the West Bank, okay, 
There's no Hamas in the West Bank. Hmm. This is all Hamas, you know. Yeah, yeah. They're evil animals, subhuman terrorists. But in the West Bank, where another Palestinian enclave, where they're treated with exactly the same oppression as is, has been visited on the people of Gaza. Do you know how many Palestinian civilians have been shot dead by Israeli snipers in the last seven days in the West Bank? Well, tell me. I don't know. 60. And more than 1,300 people wounded in attacks. Now, um, Sky News put out a, a really extraordinary news item um, just yesterday. And the Sky team were interviewing Jonathan Cornicus, who's the IDF spokesman, a really ghoulish, cold-blooded guy, you know, who, who could barely conceal his contempt at the interviewers, even asking them questions. And he was being asked about the fact that Israeli snipers who could be seen in the Sky News pictures, they televised this, were on, uh, behind a land bank in the West Bank, all lined up, and they were just having target practice at children and teenagers who were throwing stones at them and taunting them. And while the Sky News team were there, they murdered four teenage boys. And the Sky News team actually witnessed this. And the Sky presenter said, you're murdering children. And Cornica said this, this is what he said. He said, for many years, Israel has been very restrained in its use of force. But we are on high alert now, and there is no room anymore for nonsense. There is no room for taunting Israeli forces. A stone could kill. It is about time Palestinian people control where their young are, and if they want to be out of harm's way, stay out of Israeli communities and stay clear of our troops. Uh, we filmed in Ramallah on the West Bank today. Can we just play you this just for one moment? Small groups of youngsters are taunting the Israeli Defence Forces stationed at the main military communications hub. Above them, snipers wait and watch. And every now and again, they fire. Bullets, not tear gas. Ambulance teams rush forward to pick up the latest to be shot. They're treated as quickly as possible at the scene before speeding off. So four young men shot uh, while our chief correspondent, Stuart Ramsey, was there. He wasn't there very long for throwing, throwing stones, live rounds for throwing stones. Is that a proportionate response or is it actually an inappropriate response given how inflamed tensions already are? Yes. Um, listen, the situation on, uh, changed significantly on October 7th. For many years, Israel has been very restrained in its use of force. There is no room for nonsense. There is no room for 
for taunting Israeli troops, as your reporter calls it. And I think it is about time that Palestinian leaders uh, control where their young are. And if they want to be out of harm's way, they should stand clear of Israeli communities and clear of Israeli troops. But four youngsters were shot for throwing stones right in front of us. And we didn't stay for a very long time. It says so much about life here and how violence dominates everything. Over 60 people have been killed in clashes in the last week or so on the West Bank. It's not much reported, but it is a fact. And that's something that really explains how this has changed. 60 is hardly mentioned. That's because so many are dying in Gaza. I just murdered four teenage boys who were taunting them, throwing stones. But this is, takes you straight back to the Bally Murphy massacre, you know, the uh, paratroopers uh, lining up around West Belfast, just shooting people randomly, including a priest, and then saying afterwards, eh, fuck it, nobody ever gets charged. No one will ever be charged for any of these, these terrible, terrible crimes. 60 people murdered this week. Youths with, youths with stones. I mean, you know, and then we come to, we come to, the bombing of the Anglican Hospital. And I think of the letter that was sent in by the head of the Stop the War Coalition in 2014 during the... And they call these wars. I mean, is that some sort of a joke? A war suggests some sort of even even match here. I mean, the Israeli military, with their, you know, they're a nuclear power mm. with state-of-the-art American jets, state-of-the-art American weaponry, state-of-the-art headquarters, systems, alerts, an iron dome a wall that's the most sophisticated defensive wall in the world. I mean, tanks, I mean, whatever you want, the fourth most sophisticated military in the world against this peasantry with makeshift weapons. We do not bomb hospitals, Mark Regev says with a straight face. The, the World Health Organization says that already in Gaza, they have bombed 100 healthcare facilities, 115 healthcare facilities, including hospitals. 19 of them have been completely destroyed. Right. Now, Conricus, the IDF spokesperson, he said about most of those, oh, they're indirect strikes. It's accidental damage. You know, They're only targeted if the enemy uses them as a military base. And the Sky News presenter is essentially saying, look, you know, you're trying to normalize mass murder. Two days after the the attack on the Anglican hospital, which is run by, as you know, the, the trustee hmm. is is Archbishop Justin Welby, uh, the most the, the most honourable, I think, or perhaps, and I don't think it's his holiness, but I, I would like to give him his respectful title. No, no, I don't. I don't yeah. mean that in any in any. I'm, I, I don't find that in the slightest bit funny. But the Al Quds Hospital in Gaza. Uh, just the day before we're recording this, has come under a really quite terrifying Israeli missile attack. And um, we're going to play a clip uh, that sky, half of those missiles coming in. Uh, and and uh, you can just hear the terror as these missiles rain in in the hospital.
And you know what? The Israeli propaganda is incoming. Israel is investigating. Hamas is using the hospital as a base. These are faulty Hamas missiles. Anyone who says the missiles are Israeli is an anti-Semite. Repeat, 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 repeat. Do you think Hamas are capable of propaganda too? Yeah, of course yeah. they are. But they don't really have they don't really have outlets in the same way as as the Jews. I mean, and you you look at it. I mean, you look you look at the death toll over the last twenty years. Fifteen times more Palestinians have been killed than Israelis. Now I know it's not a raw number count, but Jesus Christ, they are going in there and smashing them up whenever. They- hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May seventeenth. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. They want to, you know. I mean, here's what happened with the Anglican Hospital. Okay. And I'm going to go through this as forensically as I can, as lawyers would. So the first account came from Netanyahu's spokesperson, Hanyana Naftali. He tweeted this, okay? And I'm going to read his tweet word for word. The Israeli Air Force has struck a Hamas terrorist base inside a hospital in Gaza. A multiple number of terrorists are dead. It is heartbreaking that Hamas is launching rockets from hospitals, mosques, schools, and using civilians as human shields. That's explanation one. Okay. Now then what happens is, fuck, we've gone too far here. The death toll soars towards 500 people. Okay. There's a problem with that first account. Okay. Because it's not going to wear in the international community. Okay. Israeli or no Israeli. This is going to be a PR disaster. So now, tweet number two. He deletes tweet number one. This is Netanyahu's guy. And now we start to get into the bullshit. Love to cross-examine this guy in court, in the International Criminal Court, where he deserves to be. The mysterious explosion in Gaza. I'm reading his tweet. This is the second one after the first one's been deleted. Hamas blames Israel for this. It is either a field rocket that hit the hospital 
or something that was done, something that was done on purpose in order to get international support. All right. Now, Archbishop Justin Welby, um, he, uh, as reported in Le Monde and various other newspapers of record, the hospital had already been damaged by Israeli missiles on the 14th of October, two days beforehand. It's an Anglican hospital. And Archbishop Welby reported that four medical staff members had been wounded in the two strikes. The following day, the Israeli army phoned the director of the hospital to say, quote, these were warning shots to evacuate. Now bear in mind Israel have told them to evacuate all the hospitals. Why would they tell them to do that? Le Monde then reports that the hospital was struck the following day and everything that ensued ensued. Now, the, uh, on Sky News, Alistair Bunkle, he said, look, what the Israelis say is one thing. We'll play this clip. The reality on the ground, I'm afraid, is very different. The sheer size of the explosion, Islami Jihad rockets are always small. We've never seen anywhere like this sort of damage. I think some people listening to that press conference might still have some questions, not least as you were touching on there, Mark, about the size of the explosion. People have pointed out that when Hamas or Islamic Jihad rockets hit parts of southern Israel, whilst they can do some damage, whilst they can cause loss of life and injury, they never really uh, make the, the sort of damage that we saw at the hospital last night. What the Israelis say is one thing, the reality on the grounds, I'm afraid, is very different. The Israelis then invent another excuse. Well, it's because cars blew up in the parking lot of the hospital. That's why it was so damaging. And uh, I'm just going to go through the trajectory of the Israeli approach. So first of all, you've got the contradictory statements. It was a successful Israeli missile strike on Hamas base at the, top, the hospital. Multiple terrorists are dead. That's explanation one. Then death toll mounts to... It's a faulty Islamic Jihad rocket. Right? And then they cobbled together, in my view, very obviously they cobbled together a, uh, a video and an audio around that. Okay? Now, when they present this cobbled together version, they present it with, without realising it, two different launch locations for the Islamic Jihad rocket. Okay? So then they have to get rid of one of those and settle for the other one. Then the dodgy audio materialises. And then you've got the dodgy video. Now, the audio, which I'll come to in a moment, I just wrote it down word for word. I went through it just as though I was a lawyer in the case. This is the audio, okay, which has been rubbished by the Channel 4 team and the experts that they've asked to listen to it. How convenient is this? Just think about it. And it's like a teenage script. You know, you'd think you'd think it was written by, you know, enthusiastic teenagers. Let's do a put up job here. One. I'm telling you, this is the first time we see a missile like this falling. <laughs> and so that is why we are saying it belongs to the Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Hamas man two says, What? Yes, they're saying it belongs to the Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Can you hear that clearly enough? Do I need to repeat it? It is from us, you're saying. It looks like it. Oh, who says this? 
They are saying the shrapnel from the missile is local shrapnel, not like Israeli shrapnel. Oh, never mind. That's the conversation. Now, I mean, as I said to you, Channel 4, they looked at all of this and said, well, we've got multiple explanations from Israel. You know, a first account, which is then deleted, now a second mm-hmm. account. Now they've got two different uh, launch sites. Can't be both. It's on the wrong trajectory. And a very dodgy audio, which is the appearance of a crude script being read by two actors. And Channel 4 just rubbished it. They present what they say is two Hamas operatives talking about the attack. Hamas call this an obvious fabrication. Two independent Arab journalists told us the same thing because of the language, accent, dialect, syntax and tone, none of which is, they say, credible. Equally, Israel claims the Islamic Jihad failed missile was fired from here, a cemetery very close to the hospital. But look again at the video of the event. The trajectory of the missile doesn't line up with that location. Too high, too horizontal. Confusingly, the Israelis' presentation also says the missile was fired from a location down in the southwest. It can't be both. They got two um, local experts to come in and listen to the audio and they said, look, you know, the syntax, everything around this um, tells us that this is phony. I mean, it's just, and, and, and okay, look, let's say, let's say that's so. Then you've got the dodgy video. So the IDF on their Twitter account, they say an enemy rocket barrage was carried out towards Israel, passed through the vicinity of the hospital and unfortunately struck it. And they attach a video showing the rocket barrage. They say, here's the rocket barrage. Okay. But then Eric Toller from the New York Times notices that the video was recorded 40 minutes after the strike. Mm. Okay. You're, you're content about all this, Dion. Yeah? You know, it's, it's, it feels solid. You know, it feels a wee bit like the WMD dossier. You know, don't worry about it. There might be, there might be a few different contradictory accounts and no particular evidence. The dodgy video was immediately removed as soon as, as soon as Toller of the New York Times tweets, hold on a second, this was recorded 40. The dodgy video goes then. The tweet's deleted. And now there's a new tweet which replaces it minus the video. But who gives a fuck? We're not charging anybody. We're not really taking... As long as we don't admit to war crimes, as long as we don't say, yes, that's what we're doing, then the Americans will be happy enough. And then there's the size of the explosion. So John Donison from the BBC, who, who essentially lives out there, he, he said it's hard to see what else this could be really given the size of the explosion other than an Israeli airstrike or several airstrikes. I've never seen anything in the scale of this explosion that occurred at the hospital. Rockets fired out of Gaza maybe kill a few people at most. The Israeli military has been contacted uh, for comment and they have said that they are investigating. But, uh, you know, it is hard to see what else this could be, really, given the size of the explosion, other than an Israeli airstrike or several airstrikes. Uh, because, you know, when we've seen rockets being fired out of Gaza, uh, we never see... Uh, explosions of that scale. We might see uh, half a dozen, maybe a few more people being killed in such rocket attacks, but we've never seen anything 
uh, on the scale of the sort of explosion on the video I was watching. And of course we know that the IDF has formed, they'll blame anybody. You know, they blamed the Islamic Jihad before. The one, the one thing on that, Joe, is that yeah. the Channel 4 report, which is, which is excellent, does also, kind of contradicts that statement because it says the, yeah. the crater, they show an Israeli missile attack and the damage that does and how everything is flattened around it. And this hospital, it doesn't mean it wasn't an Israeli attack of some kind, Listen, brother, but, but, no, let me, brother, believe but let me finish. Believe whatever you want to believe. No, I'm not believing anything. You know, the, I'm not, I'm not here to believe. This, I'm, let me finish this Let point. me tell you let this. Let me just the, finish Here's this. the point. The Israelis, the Israelis this, don't give a fuck whether they did it Joe, or they me, didn't let, do it. No, I, I accept They've that. already blown up 115. They've killed three and a half thousand Joe, let me Palestinian let me civilians, this point. including 1,500 children. They do not give a fuck. I don't doubt that... If they had done this, they would respond exactly as they have responded, yeah. that they are capable of doing this and responding as how they are responding. But then there is a part of me that thinks, is it not important when you look at other evidence and think, this doesn't seem to be what people said it was, that you actually go, this is something else. Does that matter in, the, in does that in any way dilute the, what what israel they is doing the, they, no i'm just let me finish that because the, that channel 4 report said here's a crater that's actually a small crater none of the hospital is destroyed uh if, if it was an israeli missile attack we would expect everything to be flattened yeah, yeah. Um, and that and that is in this report which does a great job of of demolishing so many elements of the israeli story and yes everything that the israelis put out would what, would suggest that they are covering their tracks and that until you get to that point I've and you got go, a question okay. for you. Yeah. I've got a question for you. Why was Israel's first response, and I'm going to read it word for word, okay, why was their first response to this? If any of that is true, let me, let me get it here. Why was their first response to this? Israeli Air Force has struck a Hamas terrorist base inside a hospital in Gaza. A multiple number of terrorists are dead. It is heartbreaking that Hamas is launching rockets from hospitals, mosques, schools, and using civilians as human shields. Uh, take your time answering that one. <laughs> no, I know because it seems. Like no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm not joking you. Yeah. I want you to answer this question. What's the why, question? Why was the first official account that came out from an Israeli spokesperson, Netanyahu's online guy, Hanyana yeah, yeah. Naftali? Israeli Air Force has struck a Hamas terrorist base inside a hospital in Gaza. A multiple number of terrorists are dead. It is heartbreaking that Hamas is launching rockets from hospitals, mosques, schools, and using civilians as human shields. Why did they put that explanation out? I would say because they were covering their tracks. If you ask me to say what are they doing, it's because they're covering their tracks, having realized what, what has just happened. I, I have no doubt, as I said, I, I have no doubt that Israel are capable of doing this, would it's do not, this. It's not an answer. Well, it's it's was, not an answer. Why would they accept responsibility for it? Because no, uh, triumphantly all, with a triumphant tone. All, all, Joe. And you know it's heartbreaking. It's all, it's, all, it's heartbreaking all, that Hamas are using these children and babies as human seeds because you know we really don't want to kill them. And I know it, you know I mean, it's just terrible what Hamas are doing. Uh, when, when, when this it's story, a fucking bizarre word. Joe, when, when this story came out, I didn't think that's not like Israel. I didn't think, my God, they. I, I, yeah. I, I, my, my starting position, like so many people, was this is a horrific, I, I mean, it, horrific. Esc all I'm I saying think, is, having yeah. looked at those, and this is where we started. I don't. Want, I'm not a. I'm not an explosive expert. No more than like, and this is what happens in all these situations, whether it's COVID or Ukraine or anything. Suddenly, we're all we're we're, we're immunologists. We're uh, 
We're, we're, we're military That's experts. Yeah, and that old archbishop would just, well, be, he's another lying bastard. I, you, see, couldn't, you know what? He's probably anti-Semitic. You couldn't fucking believe a word that comes out of his mouth. So, when he tells Le Monde, yes, sorry, two missiles were fired two days ago at the hospital, injuring four medical staff. And then our director at the hospital got a phone call yesterday to say, those were two warning shots. Get out of the hospital Israel, you know what Israel were just doing that to to create the impression but if, to create the impression that they were going to bomb the hospital because you know what they've bombed multiple hospitals in the West Bank and Gaza. No one has ever been tried for any offence in relation to that. And you know what we'll say, you know those fucking Hamas rockets, you fucking savages. What do you think is the explanation for? When you look at that Channel Four report, that th- here's here's what happens with an Israeli missile attack. And well, you're not going to ask me about technical matters, but I do know no, that they asked two American munitions experts, explosives experts, to look at it. And they said it looked to them like cluster missiles, come, Israeli yeah. cluster yeah. missiles. That's what it looked like to them. This is exactly why Israel do this. But you see, right? I, I think let's, the point. Let's, but, but let's, I think let's, the point let's, no, but just no, no, no. Let me say this. Let's distract people from yeah. the fact That's that there are three, three and a half thousand civilians all right three and a half thousand palestinians okay and the israeli israelis will make up whatever number they want but let's let's distract from that the enormous humanitarian crisis that we see unfolding you know and let's let's get let's let's let them fight over that i think you're forgetting the rest of the the the, the expert analysis by channel 14 i mean Channel 4 commissioned Earshot, who are forensic audio experts, you know, who are expected to uh, carry out work to forensic standards, i.e. that it's, it qualifies as admissible evidence in the courtroom. And uh, they, they analysed the audio of the alleged conversation between, between the, t- the two actors, and they concluded that it had been mocked up, that... Uh, the uh, voices had been recorded independently of each other and then mixed together in an electronic uh, recording studio, a digital studio. And uh, they also looked, uh, they, they retained another firm, uh, Forensic Architecture, based at London University, to do 3D modelling of the, of the bomb site. And they found that the missile was fired from the Israeli side and not from where Israel said it had been fired from. Uh, I mean, they looked at all of the evidence and they actually brought in other independent experts and they concluded that the IDF's version of events was false. Earshot investigators have analysed two aspects of the blast which killed so many at the Christian hospital. First, Doppler effect sound analysis of the missile tracking to the hospital that night. It's the uh, compression of sound waves as uh, a moving object is accelerating towards you and that object is emitting sound and uh, then as it's moving away that uh, frequency decreases that pitch decreases that analysis produced this mapping the red line is where the israelis said the missile was fired from by they say islamic jihad from within southwestern gaza but this new Doppler sound mapping analysis concludes that the missile came from a variety of possible firing points, the blue arrows, all east of the hospital, not west, as the IDF claimed. That map arose from this Doppler mapping of the audio of the missile flying to impact at the hospital. 
And that sound recorded by a geolocated eyewitness 150 meters southeast of the hospital. The second aspect examined is the tape released by the Israeli Defense Forces. The IDF says it is two Hamas operatives discussing how an Islamic Jihad missile fired from in Gaza malfunctioned, causing the hospital explosion. Two nights ago, we reported that Arab-speaking experts raised questions about the tone and language of this tape. The forensic sound analysis states, quote, This recording is made up of two separate channels and demonstrates that these two voices have been recorded independently. These two independent recordings have then been edited together in a digital audio workstation, such as Pro Tools, Logic, Audition, have added effects, such as pan control, and recomposed. That being their analysis, what do they then conclude? Though this audio analysis cannot categorically state that the audible dialogue is fake, we can say that the level of manipulation required to edit these two voices together disqualifies it as a source of credible evidence. Earshot's opinion is that this recording does not meet the standard required for evidence and should not be used by the media without the clear caveat that it has been digitally manipulated. We turn now to the image analysis carried out by Forensic Architecture at London University. They've conducted 3D resolution of the impact strike crater and shrapnel splash marks in the hospital car park. Those radial fragmentation marks open towards the southwest with a shallow channel leading to the crater from the northeast. Their conclusion matches the audio analysis of the missile track. They say whatever hit the hospital car park that night was fired from the northeast and not from the southwest of Gaza, as the Israeli Defense Forces claim. We also shared this with an independent weapons and explosives expert that uh, corroborated our understanding of the likely direction as coming from the northeast. In August, 16th of August 2022, Haaretz, the newspaper of record in Israel, said, the Israelis killed five Gazan children in a in a missile strike. That's what that's what the um, that's what the Palestinians said had happened. And uh, immediately after their deaths, the IDF made a statement to say that it was a faulty rocket fired by Islamic Jihad. Okay, they stuck to that. Okay, international sort of inquiries weren't really allowed. You know, they don't let anybody in to do investigations. They close the place off and they control it. They control the narrative. But in the end, in the end, an army inquiry concluded, right, that it may have been, it may have been an Israeli missile. Okay. Nobody was ever charged. You know, nothing was ever done. Really just some names of some Palestinian animals. Nafmi Karsh, 15 years old. Hamed Najim, 16 years old. Muhammad Najim, listen to the surnames, 16 years old. Jamal Ihab Najim, 13 years old. And Jamal Al-Jin Najim, a three-year-old baby. You know, and that's where we are with this. It's all a, a, a sort of a deliberate assault, not just on human beings, but on the truth. Okay, Joe, look, we've gone at this a bit and uh, it's got a bit hot and heavy. 
we'll take a break and we'll um, come back to this on Thursday. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.